What's up, all my listeners? Uh, hey, and by the way, when I say all my listeners, probably like two of you, but still, this is the Self-Improved Podcast. Welcome. I'm excited. We're just going to discuss today a self-help book by the infamous Tony Robbins, who for a while, you know, like, and still, I kind of see him as just a schmaltzy, cheesy, raunchy dude. And then we're going to get into a sciencey book called The Biology of Belief. And that'll be the second part of this podcast. Again, I, I'm doing this for fun. I'm just messing around with it. I This is a passion project because I got the time for it now that we're locked down. I just like getting things out. I don't like keeping it in my head. So uh, shall we dive in? And a little food for thought before we even get into the main stuff is something called the marshmallow test. Have you heard of this? It's a test they've done a ton of times and they always do it on young kids. They bring them in the room. They put a marshmallow in front of them. And they say, if you wait 10 minutes, I will come back with a second marshmallow. Majority of kids fail this test. Now, there's a part two to the test. They actually did follow-up studies on these kids and, and followed them throughout their lives. And now that the kids are all older, they've realized just through correlation, again, not necessarily causation, the kids that were able to delay gratification in those tests have more subjective success to the whatever the the study is so so this the researchers deem success as like graduating from school getting a job getting a high salary having a family and whatever that's all success to these researchers and apparently the kids that delayed gratification hit all those markers fun fact delayed gratification it's a good thing and if i were a kid damn i hope they pass that marshmallow test i'll make sure of it Anyways, I'm going to open up my notes. Let's do this. So this book is called Awaken the Giant by Tony Robbins. It sounds so cheesy, but I listened to the book summary for fun. And here are my notes. Focus is valuable. And now, okay, before I did not think about focus and how valuable it is before I learned this. People are paid a lot of money to take away your focus. Like millions of dollars to take away your focus. Think about it. What you focus on dictates a lot of your life. And that Coca-Cola ad, they're trying to take your focus away. And so your focus is one of the most valuable things you have. We'll actually get back to that a little later on because there's something else I really like in regards to your focus. The next point is great entrepreneurs have the ability to make rapid and quick decisions. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think about that? I think... The more you practice something, the better you get at it. So it makes sense. The more decisions you make, the better you'll be at making them. (laughs) Bingo, exactly what I just said. It's really true. And now this is cool. It says decisions are literally something. You're cutting something out when you make a decision. It means cutting. Cutting everything out except for the task at hand. Think about it. You make a decision to go for a walk. You are cutting out something else to go on that walk. So sacrifice is inevitable, folks. It comes back to the paradox of choice. When you make a choice, it's exactly the same as choosing to not make a choice. Like when you don't make any choices, you're actually making a choice to not make a choice. Isn't that mind-blowing? And that's the paradox of choice. Also, actually, on that note, there's another thing, and it's in regards to having too much choice can actually make you not 
make a choice. So for example, you go to an ice cream shop and they got 50 flavors. You don't know what flavor you want to get. However, if an ice cream shop has vanilla or chocolate, you already know what you're going to get before I even asked you. Now, my brother made a great point. He mentioned that when there are more choices on the table, it just means that the possibility for a better outcome or something better is there. But you have to obviously make the right choice to get that. So, for example, like someone living a simple, modest life, because it's a metaphor, really. And sorry if y'all just got super vibrated there. I got to turn my phone on silent here. So, for example, it's a metaphor. Let's say someone wants to live a simple, modest life, so they cut a bunch of choice out. Okay, cool, ignorance is bliss. But then imagine someone that could live an impeccable life, a sumptuous life, if they just did the research and narrowed down their choices. So, so if you're still confused, I'm talking about the 50 flavors of ice cream. If someone did their research and said, okay, let's actually analyze all these flavors Let's see what's the best one, the healthiest, whatever's for my goals. <laughs> I know we're talking about ice cream here, but still, then they would be happier than the person who went chocolate vanilla. See what I mean? Because they just took the time to do some research. It's no different in life. If you, if you do your due diligence, really, really know yourself and analyze the options at hand, you will be more satisfied, to, depending on a bunch of things, right? The context is everything. Versus just submitting and saying, okay, ignorance is bliss, simple modesty. But it's all subjective, like I said. So someone might be more happy with that simple, modest life. It's all relative to you. Anyways, back to the next point. And this is really, really cool. I love this. We become what we think about. And what we think about, we focus on. Now, this is what I was talking about. We're going to come back to the focus. Because what you think about, you focus on. It, it is so true. So start taking in that good information. Create it subconscious programming that suits your values, principles, and goals. And then you're going to focus on it. We've all been here. Like I, I don't even need to explain it to you. You know something that you always think about and you focus on it. It just makes so much sense. And so be very particular once again on what you're choosing to think about and focus on. Right? Those who believe are more likely to take action. Think about this. It makes a lot of sense. A person that really believes in something will take action towards that thing versus someone that doesn't believe. I don't need to go off on that one, but I just want to remind you in case you'd forgotten. All right, so choose things that you believe in. So I, I saw this. That's actually the end of that book summary, so I hope you took away some good points. Now, there was this interesting thing on TikTok here I read, which is that we are teaching our parents things. Now, by the way, I'm in my mid-20s, so keep that in mind when I say this. And you, even if you're, let's say, in your 40s listening, you might relate to this. Where we're teaching our parents things, such as how to use phones or computers or this and that. And this causes an odd hierarchy complex at times. Uh, and this is just a theory that I heard, so please do not take this to heart. Then we might have a, an issue asking for help because we feel we help them, say with the technology or the apps. Do you find this? Do you find you have a little bit of a tough time asking parents for help or guidance because you're giving the help and guidance often? Whereas like 
Now, now, I, me, before I dive in a bit deeper, me personally, I have no issue actually asking for help. The older I've gotten, the more I feel I want to ask help by my parents. Now, because I'm letting go of the, my ego as needing to be independent and this and that, because I already identify as someone who's independent, so I don't need to be that, to have that validated. See what I'm saying? And once I let that validation go, I was okay asking for help, which is interesting. But uh, think of it like, yeah, my question to you is, do you feel you, you have issues asking for help? Um, you know, I, yeah, a lot of people don't. Uh, food for thought there. Uh, oh, I remember what I was going to say. I was reaching, I was really trying to remember what I was, I was going to say back in the day, let's say like 50s, right? Let's say a long time ago. There's really nothing a kid could teach their parents. Like, like the parents always had to teach the kid how to nail something, how to fix something. Because nothing was invented at the same time that the two generations were alive in the 50s. So let's even take a car. A kid can't teach a parent how to use a car because it's too dangerous for a kid to drive back then. Like, like no kid's going to drive. It's something the parent would even have to teach the kid, even though that piece of technology came out at the exact same time for both generations. However, we're in a very unique predicament since the 90s. The internet and smartphones came out at the exact same time that two generation, or sorry, sorry, I didn't say that right. They came out at the exact same time for two different generations. So since it was accessible to young kids and the young kids, for some reason, I think because they weren't tied to old pieces of tech, they, this was new for them. They dove in and they learned how to use it better than their parents. And then that is where it comes from, where the kids were just constantly ahead of the parents in in certain skill sets. And there's never been that hierarchy complex ever, really. But I think people still go to their parents for help. So let's move on to this science book I read. Shout out to Avery Hall for helping, uh, for helping me with this. She gave me this book. Uh, it's called Biology of Belief. And the first note in this book is that 2% of disease possessed from birth that's actually mind blowing because majority of things are just taken through lifestyle, right? Habits. There's a cool point here on RNA versus DNA. Remember that DNA, it's a cell's long-term memory passed from generation to generation. And that's what you're born with. It's what you always have. RNA though is quote, an unstable copy of the DNA molecule. So this simply helps synthesize proteins, which proteins actively shape a cell throughout your life that's like proteins shape all the cells and that's why protein helps with muscle mass now this is fascinating because the whole book discusses epigenetics i remember epigenetics people like epi meaning outside genetics obviously what you're born with so this is like outside what you're born with like that's you know people that work out all the time you've changed your epigenetics now your kid might be more susceptible to muscle mass or people that a family with tons of that's more DNA. Let's say, let's say epigenetics. I'll just use that muscle one. That, that's good enough. So that's really cool in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if I explained that well enough, but just keep in mind, like RNA is that epigenetic component, right? Let's move on. That's boring. 
so get this crazy stat. And this book was made, I think, like mid 2000s. Adverse reactions to prescription drugs lead to 300,000 deaths a year. That is wild. Shout out to the pharmaceutical companies for screwing people up. Also, $38 billion was spent on healthcare in 2007. Now, this reminds me of something I always preach, which is... And remember, sorry, sorry, I just thought the $38 billion, that's just in 07. That's just in one year. And we're not talking a decade. So this reminds me what I tell clients and friends, which I, I love the industry I'm in. I'll tell you why. is because I'm not dealing with people's symptoms per se. I'm actually dealing with the root cause of health, which is a lack of strength, conditioning, mobility, flexibility, uh, aerobic capacity, stuff like that. Like, And when those are all poor, that's when we see other health issues that people have to go to physios, chiros, osteos, naturopaths, uh, you name it. People, and massage therapists, like people that deal with the symptoms. Now, if we save just 1% of $38 billion, and again, that's just one year, even 1%, let's say it was like hundreds of billions. Just think if we could put that back into education or city infrastructure or policies, like uh, you name it, like the of those billions of dollars, imagine what we could do. And as you know, the reason I'm so, so passionate about the education component is education is power, as Nelson Mandela said, or I'm paraphrasing that. He said something like that. When we can educate entire countries and generations, that is where the world changes. I'm sorry. Obviously, it takes money as well, by the way. But that's what we're talking about here. The 1% of 38 billion. Now let's move on. This really cool point, which is uh, our beliefs can change biology. So I'll start with how we are typically afraid of snakes. If a snake slithered through your house, you'd probably freak out. Even though not all snakes are dangerous. Like we live in Canada. They're just gardener snakes. But our beliefs as human beings over the years has trickled down. Like isn't that crazy that... Back in the day, people believed snakes were poisonous because a cave person was probably bit by a poison snake and died. And so they just, from then on, always avoided them. And it's trickled down to even to this day. Sure, there are still poisonous snakes around. I'm just saying in London, Ontario, there aren't poisonous snakes. Like, you're not going to get killed by a snake. Yet, we are scared of them because of the belief. And that's the biology of our belief. It's kind of mind-blowing. Next point, Bruce Lipton, the author, says that medical students brush past placebo literature slash education. I disagree with this. When I read this, I was like, what? There's absolutely no way. I've, I've seen so many podcasts. I've seen um, an article or two on the placebo literature being really beneficial. Like, like folks who end up being told they're on the placebo pill after a study beg the study to give it back to them they're like i I, that was working like they even though they know it's placebo it's it's almost like placeboception like they they understand it's placebo and so they let that placebo continue to work because they just know it will help them feel better it's like really mind-blowing and so that's exactly it is your brain plays tricks on you and you don't have pain anymore so you know i should ask the question like is the reason placebos aren't used more because of big pharma is it that placebos just aren't money makers? Like, like a drug has to go through vigorous testing, double cross blind studies. I probably butchered that. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, lots of studies done to make sure 
that pills aren't just placebo. However, like, is that just because the pharmaceutical companies want all the money? And it's like, what if they did just put sugar in a pill? That'd be very cheap, and it wouldn't have people addicted on opioids. <laughs> but, again, uh, what do I know about it? So, there's this anecdotal case of two students. And I want to hear your... Do you hear that? I just said I want to hear your opinion. I can't hear you. But, hey, talk with a friend after this about this. So, one was studying hard all alone, nonstop, versus the other student had a study group and would take 10-minute breaks after you know studying alone, but had fun during those 10-minute breaks and then went back to it. And that person, in this case study, ended up doing better on their tests. Now, obviously, with two people, there's so many variables. I'm not going to go and say that this just automatically means a person shouldn't grind all the time, but it did remind me to take life a little less seriously and that it's okay to take those 10 minute metaphorical breaks in life now at first i didn't understand this thing called the hpa axis and how it correlated with depression however i did look it up further and it's pretty much a very sciencey fancy schmaltzy way to describe chronic stress leads to depression uh, it is an acronym, by the way, for a part in the brain, and that part in the brain sends, sends signals to adrenals and increases cortisol, blah, blah, blah. That's why. So it's kind of the catalyst for some of that cor chronic cortisol secretion. And that's how people feel depressed if they have chronic stress. Anyways, this is where the book got a little less science -y. It was kind of cool. There's this bit on parents struggling to get their kids into swimming lessons. And this is because... They taught their kid to hate water by always making them scared of it. They'd say, no, Jimmy, get away from the pool. You're going to fall in, you're going to drown, whatever. Versus, like, a different way to go about it. Obviously, I'm not saying you should let your kids drown. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, you know, he puts in perspective the power of words. And he says a kid will learn a swear word from a person with perfect nuance, tonality, linguistics, etc., just like a study of a monkey learning how to use a vending machine from its mother. Like, no wonder kids also learn they're a failure or undeserving. Because people tell them they're a failure and undeserving. And even if they're not literally telling them, they can sometimes figuratively be telling them. For example, let's say you're doing all the right things. You're saying, Jimmy, you're, such a, you're a success, Jimmy. You're so good. But somewhere along the lines, Jimmy learns that if he loses, he is lesser than another person. And this is where a parent could have a good talk and say, just because you lost doesn't mean you're less than that person. Whether you work hard determines if you feel you're less than someone else. Um, because in my opinion, if you're working as hard as you can, there is nothing ever to be upset about. It's when a person didn't, and then they lose, then that's on you because you didn't prepare. And that's a lesson as well, a preparation for a young kid. But if someone just straight up says, like, no matter how you work, if you lose, you still suck, well, then you are figuratively telling them they're a failure. Um, and so just, I don't know, not to put pressure on parents and or myself because I'm always scared of how I'll raise my kid. But the kids will learn by what they hear. Those, those attributes are learned. So there is a study, and it's interesting, you know, this study proclaimed, proclaimed 
If a woman is stressed during pregnancy, not as much blood flow is sent to the fetus. Which is very interesting. That Now, I want to just disclose this now. Everything I'm lo- I learned in this book, these are just studies. I don't know how many of these are meta-analyses. Meta-analyses are the goat of, of literature because they take a ton of papers and, and uh, read through them and study them all versus one single study. That's just 20 people that who knows what their variables in life are like. So fun fact, like think of all the, think of the ripple effect of less blood flow to a fetus. It's kind of mind-blowing. Now, this I love. There's a movie, I think it's called Fantasia. It's a Mickey Mouse movie, and there's a scene in it where his mentor leaves and says, hey, can you wash the floors? And his mentor is a wizard and teaching him magic. So the newbie, the schmo, Mickey Mouse, thinks like, I'm going to use my magic because I'm six. I I know about it, so I'm going to try to use it. And the scene ends up where he floods the entire place because he can't stop the water from shooting out the the bucket and it turns into just this huge tsunami in the, in the, the house so I took this and I thought okay my athletes are like this they see plyometrics they see heavy lifts they read about it they so they learn about plyos and heavy lifts which do help athletes tremendously however they don't learn how to control it or how to implement those tactics or modalities and then they end up hurting themselves, just like in that movie. Mickey Mouse was hurting him and his mentor by flooding the entire joint. The next time you learn or read something, just because you know something doesn't mean it's going to benefit you. It can actually hurt you. So that's where I recommend people find a mentor and a coach or someone to talk to first. And then you're good. And then you can implement these modalities that will get you faster, stronger. And less injured. Fun fact. Plyos and specifically for athletes listening. Strength and plyos. Really learn how to control them before you use them. There's this really deep thing. I don't know if I believe that. I, I don't know. This sounds like a lot of sugar, But anyways. It's about donors. Liver donors. Donors of organs. Kidney donors. That apparently... The fact that the proteins and cells are still theirs, but in someone else, it is similar to a metaphor the book talks about, which is a TV and its antenna. So when the cable, the cable is on all the time on your television, right? Because of the antennas. When you turn it off, sure, you can't see them, but they're still there. The cable is still going, just you can't see it. And so it's saying that you know, your cells it are like the cable and that the TV being on or off is just like the donor, the, the person with the donor organ. And that that is why some people have these like super conscious experiences where they kind of vibe with the other or feel what they're feeling at times, but like very subconsciously because their cells are shared now. It's It'd be like... It'd be like that person now flicking on the television, but with your cable station, like your state, your channel is on their TV. See what I'm saying? Really, I don't know. It's to me, it's a little meta, a little out there, 
But it's philosophical because I don't know if you can prove it or not. So, whatever. There was a cool study on students learning Mandarin. And that the ones learning with a human beside them learn more than ones with an audio tape. And so this made me think of the power of coaching versus people that just do YouTube workouts. And I've seen it myself where like in-person coaching people have threefold the accelerated gains and knowledge than those without. Obviously money is a factor for a lot of people. Now, this was a hot take. C-sections increase risk of asthma, type 1 diabetes, obesity, celiac disease, and allergies. You know, I didn't know this. Again, you got to take these studies with a grain of salt. Apparently, it's because of the bacteria in the vaginal cavity that helps with proper gut bacteria in the baby. And that affects hormones, which affect the list above of all those health issues. Hmm, Fun fact. Uh, I don't know. Just a little fun fact. I got to do more research on that, though. It's crazy, by the way, how... A stressed mom will put that cortisol on the fetus as well. Isn't that wild? And it just makes sense. Like, like here I am. Like, most people hear that and go, okay, what's the big deal, Zev? But were you really thinking about that before I told you? No, you weren't. Meditation can help a pregnant mother by the sounds of this. And then it will help their baby if their baby's not as stressed out coming out of the womb. Because, like, like I said before, horm- hormones affect a lot of things. So you just got to... You know, this isn't how, like, I'm not giving advice to a baby. This is advice to you listening. Like, do things that keep your hormones in check, I'm telling you, and then your life will be good. So this book says we're experiencing the next mass extinction and that it's going on presently. This is the last note, by the way. It's not going to be as quick as a comet or a plague or the ice age. Apparently, that the next mass extinction is actually us humans, that we are the ones who are getting rid of ourselves whether you it's the factories fossil fuels burning but anyways food for thought and that's called the biology of beliefs so i hope you took some things away from that let's see how far along we are here 20 oh wow almost a 30 minute mark. not bad i don't want to keep these too long I, i find long podcasts to break them up in half kind of annoying but uh yeah Anyways, I can't wait for next time. Again, stay tuned. I'm going to do this until lockdown ends and then maybe go once a week. We'll see. Have a good one. Shalom Aleichem, my people. Easy. Easy.